You're listening to Be Well With Be, where I aim to uplift you through encouragement, information, and the Word of God, while promoting wellness of the spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Brittany Neesmith, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking about the cage that you had a hand in building for yourself and how to break out and tear it down. With that being said, let's get into it. We're going to be looking at three different kings today. King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. Just looking at their life overall and looking at the rise and the fall of each of them. Okay. First, they all were chosen by God. They all were handpicked by the creator to be the king of his special group of people. The same people that he went out of his way to protect. They also did something to bring, to basically to build a cage around themselves. They put themselves in a cage because of what they did. And then lastly, because of what they did in that cage, it caused an issue. Each one of them had a specific different kind of issue. And since they're the king of Israel, their issues affected the freaking kingdom. So, we're going to look at their lives, and we're going to dissect it, and then we're going to turn back around and figure out how to not make those cages for ourselves, and how to cut the bars of iron, okay? First and foremost, Saul. I, I, sometimes I feel bad reading it as if, like, it's something I could do about it now. Saul been gone, okay? So, <laughs> it's nothing I could do to say, hey, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't do these things. Well, first, I'll start off with the fact Saul was chosen, right? God, um, Israel needed a king, or they said they wanted one. So God said he would provide one for him. Saul is who God chose. When Samuel runs into Saul, he tells him, hey, God has told me you're going to be the king. Saul's like, what do you mean? I am, I'm just a Benjaminite. Oh, that's how you say it? I think so. Benjaminite, basically. I'm from one of the smallest tribes. Like, we're insignificant. We're not even that good. Why would I be the king? I don't think so. Then, this whole thing where he's getting anointed. Like, he literally, like, Samuel called all the tribes together. They were doing all this stuff to to name the king. This man gets named the king. Where was he? He was hiding amongst the luggage. That's the best way to describe it. Hiding amongst the luggage. This is all in 1 Samuel from chapters 9 through 31. This is Saul, okay? Saul's hiding amongst the luggage. And, you know, had to get him out. So it's now timid man is the king of Israel, okay? You know, he gets a little emboldened. There's some people trying to come up against the, you know, the country. He goes and fights them because he did have haters in the beginning. He did. Like, why does this man get to be the king? Because God chose him and not you. You know, that has nothing to do with anything, sir. Random Israelite going back about your business. But Saul went along. He was winning wars. He was fighting for his people. He was building. But also, as he was doing that, he was getting, like, some pride was kind of coming in. So much so that what broke, like, God gets upset. Like, he tells Saul to do some things. Saul doesn't do these things. It went so far 
that he was waiting on, Saul was waiting on Samuel to come to do a sacrifice because they're about to go into this war, right? He was waiting on Samuel to come to the sacrifice. And I guess Samuel wasn't coming fast enough for Saul. And Saul does the sacrifice before Samuel gets there. God gets angry. He's like, I should have never chose him. I'm, in fact, I feel bad that you know I changed my mind. I, should, I don't even want him there no more. And Sam was like, no, no, he couldn't. There's nothing he could do. At that point, Saul was done, because during that time, you had to be a priest. Number one, a Levite. So that's that's just number one. Step one, he wasn't even a Levite. Step two, he wasn't the priest that was ordained by God to separate it to be given out these. Uh, these sacrifices and stuff where we have the blood of Jesus that speaks for us. And we have the Holy Ghost. We have things that's already set up for us to go to God directly. They could not. They could not go to God directly. They had to go through the mediator, which was the Levite, which was the priest. Okay. So basically what he did was something kind of blasphemous. God did not set it up. When your hands are dirty, how are you? How do you feel like you go come give me some food and you're, you're going to serve me something, but your hands are dirty. That's pretty much what Saul did. So, boom, God's upset. Now, guess what, Saul? You don't get to be king no more. So much so. So, he gets a, a a tormenting spirit sent to him by the Lord. That's what the Bible say. A torment. So, he could just sit in there. He just get tormented by something just awful. Okay? All that's going on. He also was already told that he's no longer going to be the king. Or Samuel already knows he's not going to be the king. And Samuel knows he now has to anoint another king. Okay? This is when my homeboy David comes in. Who also is not perfect. But this is when my guy David comes in. David gets anointed as king over at his dad's house. Saul doesn't know this yet. They, in fact, they go off and they, um, they're fighting Goliath. Or they're dealing with him, taunting him for 40 days and stuff. We already know about that. They're dealing with Goliath over here. And David's still tending to his sheep. Okay, fighting bears and lions. Well, but the intermediate, like the intertwining between David and Saul is that David comes. He plays the music that helps keep the tormenting spirit at bay. Because David's anointed. He's an anointed psalmist. Okay. And that's why sometimes you listen to music and like your whole, everything about you changes. Some praise and worship, come on, everything goes away. Because the tormenting spirits that's bothering you has to leave when there's good and anointed psalmist going on. So the music comes, it does something. AKA Lucifer, that used to be his job, but it's a whole, you know, we'll talk about that on another day. So David is now going to switch over to be the king. And this is when they become getting into their battle, right? He's anointed. David now has to continuously flee from Saul. And Saul is just hateful at this point. Saul is just, you know, he has the glory of God is gone from Saul. Saul don't have no joy. He don't have nothing. He just knows that David, like he knows David's going to take his place. And that's what kind of like, I feel like helped drive him even more crazy. Like he knows it's David of all the people. Like, how do you know? Like, He's anointed, so spiritually, you know, he's already the king in the spirit, okay? And he has this tormenting spirit coming bothering him. Guess what? That, I'm pretty sure that spirit's like, there he go. You see him right there? He he going to take your spot. He going to take your son's spot. He going to take everything from you. Ain't nothing about your lying going to keep going. Y'all ain't for me, king. I don't know what that thing is saying, but I'm pretty sure it's something similar, okay? So 
while they're going through their interchanging moment, David has to continuously run, right? David's already married to the daughter of Saul. After Saul says, uh, did some, you know, rigmarole where he's supposed to be married to the first daughter anyhow, but that didn't work out because Saul was underhanded. So Saul, just after he lost the glory, just kept doing more, un- more and more underhanded things, like putting a bar up, another bar up, another bar up, another bar up on this cage, like fortifying his cage. Like he could never, he was not able to get out of his. Okay, during a, a totally se- a totally separate battle, after he battled David and kept pushing David into caves, into the wilderness, into all this stuff, David couldn't even be in his home. David couldn't even stay in his like normal place. He had to continuously run and hide, which is wild. This is the king of Israel, but he has to literally stay out in the cave constantly. Well, time moves on. Saul dies in a battle. In fact, he, something happens. He tells one of his people to kill him. He's like, no, I'm not going to. I cannot kill you. You trying to get me killed. So, no, he sees that Jonathan got killed first. That's Jonathan, I'm sorry, is Saul's son and David's best friend. So, very upsetting because, you know, he's a fan favorite. You just like Jonathan because Jonathan was just a good guy. He's just trying to, you know. Just like he supported David, he loved his dad, but he also loved his best friend. So he was just caught in between the two. So he sees that Jonathan's dead. He wants to die. He ends up falling on his own sword. Saul's dead. Okay. Now, David, then they run and try to make somebody else a king. That was a whole thing. So Saul dies in his cage, tormented, uh, jealous, proud, just a not great situation. Saul dies trapped in his cage. David comes. Okay. David. Okay. We're going to move fast forward. All the stuff that happened for David. David is now the king. Okay. A lot of stuff happened. He had to do a lot of work. He finally gets, you know, his proper place. amongst being the king of Israel. He even brings the Ark of the Covenant back. He's doing his whole thing. All right. Dancing, taking off his clothes in the street. All of it. Not taking it off, but dancing about it, his clothes in the street. All of that. He decided, okay, he, my guy, David, he went through some things, right? You know, he, you didn't think about the stuff that he went through his dad and they kind of treated him kind of crazy. Then he becomes king, but he can't be king yet. Cause the real, the current king is nuts and he's running like so much so that you're trying to help him, help him out. <laughs> but sorry about the stuttering. He got, you're trying to help him out. And at the same time, he's throwing spears at you. He's chasing you. He's blaming you for stuff. He's swearing up and down. You're doing something to him. You ain't doing nothing to him. Okay? Yeah, and it hurts you that you're, you find out your best friend and his dad is dead. So much so, you killed the messenger. Okay? You killed the messenger. Then, David does this thing. Okay? And I feel like it was the beginning of, like, several things that kind of happened. So there was a war. It's always a war, right? There was a war going on, and there was a a man's wife. First of all, David was supposed to be there. David didn't go. David's at home. David's out patrolling, you know, doing whatever he wanted to do. Sees this woman taking a bath on her roof. Okay, sees her woman, Bathsheba. Now he has to go get this woman. All right, lust overtakes him. He could not control it. He sleeps with this woman who is also married. Okay, so this step one. We slept with this woman. She's married. 
and she pregnant. Her husband is at war. So you call the husband home because maybe if I call him on home, then he's going to think that's his baby. All right. The husband come home. The husband does not sleep with the wife because he is a, you know, a, a patriot. And he doesn't feel right that he's at home enjoying his wife while his brothers of Israel are sitting there, you know, dying by the sword in this war. So David's plan, because now this this point, he stole somebody's wife, slept with the wife. That's adultery. Got her pregnant. Even worse. Try to come up with a conniving plan to have him think it's his baby. Also not okay. That's iniquity. So, no, I'm sorry. That's transgression. Something you chose in your heart to do. You know it's wrong. Now what does he do? David writes a letter and tells Uzziah, which is Bathsheba's husband, hey, take this letter to the, you know, general, whatever, and let him read it, okay? So now he feels, not a man, the innocent man, feels like he's going to do something for the king, so he most definitely, he's hyped. Oh, thank you, king. I appreciate you entrusting me with this serious documentation, a serious letter that has to do with, you know, royal pronouncements. But he doesn't know that letter literally is his death sentence. How awful is that? Like you, you think you're doing so because you can't break the seal. It has a king's seal and all that stuff on it. Can't break the seal. It is literally somebody telling him to make sure you die. How nuts is that? Like how that like you really did nothing wrong. I mean, I don't know that man life. I'm sure he did something wrong before, but he didn't deserve all of that because his wife was beautiful. Okay. Because his wife looked good. He chose good. Okay. He made a great choice of this woman. And so much so that somebody else wanted it. And now in the, with what him dying, he said that the letter said to put him on the front line and then everybody pulled back. And that's what happened. Everybody pulled back. That man got killed instantly. Of course. Now he has, Blood on his hands. Now you set this man up to die. And God tells him about it. And so God's letting know that baby is not going to make it because of what you did. He's like, God, please. The prophet Nathan comes, tells him about it. Like, God, please don't kill the baby. It's me. It's my fault. I'm so sorry. The baby dies. Okay. The baby dies. So because David is David. This is where we get to learn from the fact that you are not perfect, right? David was not perfect. But what David didn't understood is that when I make a mistake and I sin, I have to acknowledge the fact that I sinned. Not trying to act like I didn't do it. Not trying to act like I was right in my choice. Not trying to like sweep it under the rug like, oh, well, everybody does it. No. He's like, you know what? You're right, God. I did this. I did this. Please forgive me for my sins. And he repents. The thing about David and why he was a man after God's own heart is that he truly prayed. He prayed. He worshiped God in spirit and truth. Okay. He, that man, worshiped God in spirit and truth. Okay. He also lived a repentant life. Meaning, I say it all the time, he repents, like truly repents, cries out to God, God, please. He was very open and honest with God all the time. He realized he did something wrong. And now, God, please forgive me. 
right? He was not also not able to build a temple for God because a most because he was a man of war. Okay, means he killed people all the time. So he was not going to be the one to build the temple. It's a whole other thing. So let's fast forward just a, just a tad, right? So where you see David built his cage uh, with lust and lies and plots. Mind you, this is not the only thing, bad things that happened to David. David's son tried to take his throne again, ran him up out of his own place. Um, one of his daughters was... Um, I'm trying to find a family friendly way of saying uh, was taken advantage of by her own brother it his life and his children and stuff got real complicated but he never it's like he as a king he always had issues but then it leads to Bathsheba you know the lady who was you know bad enough to get a man killed she has another son named Solomon Solomon is the son who is able to build God's temple. Solomon is the son who takes over after David dies. David had built the cage, but started to break down some of the bars in his cage. Unfortunately, David dies still partially in his cage. He was 100% trapped like Saul was. He was definitely Build some bars. Okay. Then we're going to fast forward over to my guy Solomon. Solomon the one who was. Uh, had the wherewithal to ask God. For wisdom. Okay. He asked God for wisdom. And he got it. And when he got the wisdom. He was able to get everything else. And God only told him one thing. Which is, do not follow after any other God. Which is the same thing that kept telling them over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, do not follow after any other God. I don't care what you do. Don't follow after any other God. So, Solomon's wisdom helped him uh, build a temple, amass wealth. Um, just, Solomon was so wise, he starts to get uh, jaded, I would say. Like, you can, if you... Pay attention how Proverbs goes, because that comes from Solomon. And then Ecclesiastes, I feel like it's when he was like, he gets jaded. My man was going through something. Like, he just didn't care about life, nothing, nothing. Everything's meaningless. Like, well, what happened to you, Solomon? Like, who messed up your cereal? You know, like, Solomon's having, like, a, a moment, because when you become... It's like, wealthy people, when they don't have any real, like passion in their life and the only thing they have is their money they have nothing else to live for they don't under like they get this weird jaded apathetic energy about them because there's nothing to bring them joy but if he was like his father he would have encouraged himself in the lord david stayed encouraging himself in the lord david came home his family was gone all the people's family was gone that was stolen when they went back to Ziglag, and the Bible says, after everybody wanted to kill David, like it was David's fault, it says that means he didn't have nobody to help him, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Solomon could have done that. Solomon, since he had everything else, Solomon also decided, let me just get all these women. 
Okay, and this is where his problem became a problem because with all these different women he would get, he also brought in all the different gods. He let them build temples for them guys. He would the worship some of them guys with them because you know he had his father's one of the bars of his father. I guess is the lust issue. Okay, so his was like multiplied. His like was an exponential issue because you you. Not only was after the women, which the king could have as many concubines as he wanted back in the day. But at the same time, you took on their guides, which is number one rule of God, the Jehovah Jireh. That was you do not serve another God besides me. And now, boom, 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 boom. Simon's cage is, is sealed. Simon's cage is sealed. Solomon dies in his cage. And with that, Israel... Of course, started worshiping all these other gods. Therefore, the kingdom was affected and they fought that battle over and over and over again, trying to stay away from idols and stay away from these other gods that were not the one true God. And they kept suffering for it. Now, I'm saying your cage because your cage, as I said before, it doesn't really just affect you. Like your life isn't just about you right there are people connected to you even if you are by yourself all your family is dead and there's no one else around you that you feel like loves you you there are still people who are connected to you okay this means if you trap yourself you also entrap those other people if you're inside a cage, those people now see your cage. Those people are more than likely adding bars to their own cage because of the bars that's on yours. So, that being said, let's break down how to not entrap ourselves. Or if we are already trapped because we're born into a life of sin. If we're already trapped, how does one get out of this cage? Okay? You see our brothers, uh, David was able to figure out some ways to get out of the cage and with you know our blessing of having Jesus and the Holy Spirit we have even more access to getting out of a cage we are supposed to be free who the son says free is free indeed okay free indeed free in spirit free in everything okay so number one you got to have a strong foundation your foundation and what you stand on matters more than anything because you cannot build nothing on a weak foundation the only thing you can build on a weak foundation is a solid cage solid limitations solid hindrances and delays solid issues those are the things that, that thrive on a weak foundation. Step one, foundation is God and the word of God. God and the word of God. Not just hearing the word of God, but also reading the word of God, studying the word of God, eating the word of God, breathing the word of God. You have to get it up in you some kind of way. Okay, you, and just, you know, your uncle Ricky, who's a pastor on, you know, 79th Street, whatever, whatever church, not just what he say. Okay, 
He ain't the only one who could read a Bible. There's Bible apps. Bibles don't cost that much money to buy. You know, I'm pretty sure one of your family members has a Bible that could give you. Um, you can go online and just read off offline. You don't even got to get an app. There's too many ways to get it. Too many ways. You can go on YouTube and they just got somebody reading the Bible. Okay? There's too many ways to get it. To where it's really almost nine. And it's not almost. It is nonsense at this point to not have the word of God in your life. If you are a believer, if you're okay with uh, living in sin and dying to go to hell, y'all ain't got to read nothing. <laughs> no, I, you don't have to read a thing. But those of you who say, yes, I am a Christian. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. I do not want to live in eternal damnation. Those folks, you're going to have to grow up and go read the Bible. Okay? Grow up and go read the Bible. Don't just listen to the Bible. Don't just listen to whatever your favorite uh, multi-cool pastor is on TV and just listen to theirs. Because they already done read the Bible. And so they can take a scripture and give you a whole hour and a half message. You don't know the Bible. You you don't know what book comes after Second Chronicles. You don't know what book is before Revelation. You don't know what order Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Joshua, Exodus. You you barely know Genesis is the first book. Okay? Let's go all the way back to Sunday school when you were like a kid. That type of stuff. Go all the way back. Read the Bible. And don't... We're at the point in our lives now. Like the world is really where it's at. Don't just begin with the in the beginning. Sir, I'm going to need you, ma'am, I'm going to need you to go ahead and jump and get into some meat. Okay? Just like you go straight for the ribs when you go eat barbecue. I'm going to need you to go straight for the meat first. I'm going to need you to go read about Jesus. Because that's the one who saved your soul. That's the one who died on the cross for you. Okay? I'm going to need you to start with the Gospels and read about Jesus and what he did for you. And how he taught you and I how to live our lives for three years. This man came taught us how to live life and died for us and then gave us came back to life and now is sitting by the father y'all need to know that okay then y'all need to know what we're supposed to be doing as the body of christ now so i'm gonna need y'all to go ahead roll over into acts okay I mean, you can see what Peter be talking about. You can see what Paul was, oh, I'm sorry, Saul turned to Paul. And y'all need know who that is. I need y'all just to go and read it for yourself. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed, number one, how, like, the your hard heart starts to soften. How your weak foundation starts to get some solidified, Okay, how when when the stuff comes to blow, because if you know the Bible or not, if you read the Bible or not, the storms are still coming your way. So what you doing? Storms still coming your way. You'll be a uh, you'd be ridiculous to think that storms are never going to come for you or you just went out of the storm. So there shouldn't be another one coming for it. No, storms still coming. Your job is to prepare yourself. Your job is to have a, a proper type of shelter and covering. Your job is to have, you know, something to stand on. Otherwise, you're going to get tossed around every time a hurricane comes. You're going to be flipping and flopping all over the place. Because you have no foundation. 
get into the word of God. And then you can go and read stuff like what's going on with Solomon and them. Okay. Until then, y'all got me to tell y'all because I already know those are my, you know, that's my, sorry, that's my Bible. I was flipping. (laughs) There's some stuff that even I right now go back and read because I just feel like I just need to know. Right. And the Bible is one of those books. I'm sorry. The Bible is the book. Since it's a living book, the word of knowledge. Every time you read it, you're going to get something different. Okay. I've read the Bible a lot of times in my life because I'm going through a lot of phases in my life, front to back. And sometimes I open it up and it's like, I've never read that before in my life, even though I have. (laughs) It's crazy. Even though I know I have, I know I'm not nuts. But why is it that it looks brand new to me today? Why is it that I didn't, I didn't see that before? Because you grow and things are different now. You have different responsibilities. Some people have kids. Some people have a dog. Some people have a school. Some people got work. Some people taking care of one of their relatives who's sick. Some people are, you know, alone and going through it in general. And you have to stand on your own two feet and know who is protecting you and who is guarding you. And what that book says about your life. Because no one else can tell you what it says about your life. You need to know it for yourself. Because when we're all dead and gone, we stand up on our own ten toes or whatever we got up there and give an account on our own lives. Not what someone else told us was a part of our life. Not what we thought. We just what we did. Get a foundation of the word of God. Next, we have to humble ourselves before the Lord. I want to say David was a, a pretty humble guy. But doggone it, Saul was not. Saul got hyped up. Saul pumped himself up to where he, his, his pride made him do something outlandish. His pride made him do something outlandish. Like, I don't know if y'all one of those people have like when y'all have Thanksgiving dinner, like you have the uncle or your dad is the one who cuts the turkey. Like that's his thing to do. And it's like you bring some random, like, I'm sorry, since I'm a lady, some random boyfriend in and he jumps his monkey butt up and goes cut the turkey. You've lost your mind in this place. That's kind of like what's all the times 11,000. Okay. He went and did something he had no business doing because he got hyped up and proud. Like I can do this. Samuel's not the only one who could do this. I hear from God too. I know God too. I can go do this. No, sir. Okay. Samuel lived in the temple. Okay. You did not. It's a whole nother thing. We have to be sure that we die to ourselves every day. Every day. You do not let your pride of what you think you know, who you think you are, what them folks done told you you are, the fact that you are a CEO, the fact that you are a queen, that you are a wife, that you are, are someone's boss, that you are someone's mom, that you are the big sister, that you are the big cousin, that you are in charge of this much money, that you have this much money, that you own this many things, that you're in charge of this many things. Don't let none of that stuff make you feel like at a snap of a finger, a blink of all, all that could be gone in two seconds gone so what are you saying now? why are you hype yourself up why are you like somebody puff up your chest for something that doesn't even belong to you your life don't even belong to you 
sorry, <laughs> newsflash, if you didn't know that, your life don't even, it's not even yours. Okay, we're borrowing this life. We are stewards of this life. We're stewards over the things that we're over. We're steward of, stewards over the people that we're over. We're stewards over our children. Okay, we're just stewards of the things that God had already made for us. So we most definitely have to humble ourselves. Okay, humble yourself. God, is there anything in my life that I feel like I have put before you? Anything that I've put above someone else? Lord God, I just ask you right now to remove that in the name of Jesus. Lord God, forgive me for having any any streak of pride, any a bone of pride, any type of pride in my life. Lord God, I humble myself before you. Get to praying and get to meaning it. Right? Don't pray it has to be, you know, humbled and then don't mean to be humbled. Like, don't mean to set it down yourself because I would not want to be the one to get humbled by God. I'm just going to humble myself first. Okay, I've seen people be humbled by God and it hurts. It looks like it hurts. It looks painful. And some of it's physically painful. It looks like it's mentally, emotionally painful too. Saul was humbled by God. His was like a mental, emotional, spiritual humbling. Like you got a, a tormenting spirit sent to you. That is not... Ugh, awful. Just that's awful. Just terrible. Don't be that person. Okay, humble yourself. Don't be humbled. Okay, and when you do all that, on top of that, I feel like David and Solomon's issues was lust, and lust is what busted the door open for other issues to rise. The lust that David had brought in so much. That you don't realize, like, you let the door open. Like, certain things are gateway sins. So I told him, like, it's a gateway, like a gateway drug, like a gateway sin for a gateway spirit. A spirit that busts open a gate and let other spirits come in. Because not only did you, okay, you slept with the lady. Okay, you could, that's something you could, okay, there's a baby. Okay, we can deal with that. But you, you get this man killed, David. Like, why would you do that? Just say, hey, okay, I realized what I did was not okay. Uh, I just need your forgiveness, her forgiveness, everyone's forgiveness in this situation. And I want to do what I can to make it better. No, nope, you wouldn't get that man killed. You killed, you took him off the earth. Like you wanted that woman so bad. You took him off the earth. Jeez Louise. Okay. And now that you're a son, after you, you bust up in this gate and all this stuff now, and especially with the gateway lady, Right now you have a child who the child is also from the baby king. Now guess what he has? He has all of that multiplied because your children are based on multiplication of what you got going on. Okay, so you have this child who was raised, and now okay, I'm gonna do this. I have enough in me to know. I mean, when I talk to God, that God comes to me because I gave this much of an offering. God said, "Okay, thank you for loving me this much. What do you want?" And He tells him, "I want wisdom." God, I, wisdom, because I said, you know what? You could have asked for anything. You asked for money. You asked for power. But the fact that you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you the most wisdom in the world. And he gets it. But you know what else? He got wisdom and he still had the other stuff. You can be smart. You can be anointed. You can be all that. I never talk about that with y'all. But yeah, you can be anointed. You can have all these gifts. But you also have other stuff. So it's up to you to get rid of the other stuff sit down and do a real inventory of your life what other stuff besides everything god packed you up with right 
God sent you down from heavens, packed up gently, tightly, perfectly, sealed with a bow into this world with the exact right gifts, with the exact right information that's going to make you great in this earth. He sent you there with it. And because we came through a woman into sin and whatever on our bloodline sins, that, that comes with it too. So all that comes in together. All right. So we come in here with the, the gifts and packages that God gave us, plus the packages that we didn't ask for. <laughs> okay. But we need to sit down and do an inventory of our life. Say, okay, God, I see that I have an anger issue. I see that I am easily angered when your word says be slow to anger and if a pin if you blink if you bat your eye i'm mad okay and when i say i i mean me for real i just have anger issue i can be mad and it's quick okay it's not as it's not a small mad either it is a quick violent mad that on the outside, I made this seem like on the inside, I feel it. It is a violent giant of mad anger and it is not okay. And I had to do an inventory like this is not okay. Something got to go. That has to go. I cannot get that mad over something small, right? Over something small. Like I understand there's certain times in our lives where we let things build up. And that one last small thing is what does it. But before that, I've had, before I let stuff build up, I could just get mad for anything. Anything. You walk past me wrong. Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to do this. So pride, a, a part of pride is that I have a thing. I used to have this thing about people not speaking. For me, I thought it's because I was raised. You know, you speak, it's polite. Also, it's like the way I would get mad about it, that's not normal. Like, I feel like you slighted me in such a way that now I must prove to you and teach you that you never come past me and not speak again. You honor my presence by saying hello. It is your honor, your pleasure that you get to pass by me. Yeah, it's, it's like in my head, like, of course, I didn't say that type of crazy stuff to myself. But it's like, that's how it kind of seems sometimes, right? I remember in school, in high school, this little girl had came by me, Okay. And she had bumped into me. I think I was a senior. Okay. This is when I had probably the most violent anger issues that I used to try to keep at bay, but came out in crazy ways. Okay. She bumped by me. This girl had to be what, what maybe a sophomore. So this little girl, she's like a little cheerleader. And I turned because not only did you bump me, you did not say, excuse me. I look at her and she like kind of roll her eyes from that moment forward. I tortured that girl for her, like until I couldn't stop. Like until I told myself to stop until I told myself to stop. Like it was not normal. And I didn't say nothing to her. It's not like no one knew either. Like no one knew that this girl has been marked. I don't know this girl's name to this day. I think I knew it back then, but no one knew that I was going out of my way to do this to her except for me and God. <laughs> Except for me and God. So what would happen is I'm going down the hallway. You know, you know, high school, the highways get packed. Bell rung, highways packed. It's like, I don't care be talking to somebody. Right? I have my backpack on. My backpack's full of books. Backpack's heavy. Okay. I could be walking and I see her. And what would happen is I would position myself to go past her. 
No one knows this. Like, I will position myself in a hallway to where I have to cross paths with her. So what is uh, happening is, like, as she's talking, as I'm walking, I will turn. It's like, I wait, she gets right up on me, and I will turn hard to my backpack be about to knock her. Like, I used to bump into this girl. And, like, basically, I hit her with my backpack all the time. I don't know. I can't tell you how long this lasted. I know it went on for longer than it should have. Or I would bump into her with my shoulder. Because you, little person, how dare you cross my path? Do you know who I am? And I would, I'm not, in my head, I'm not even that type of person. But then I also would think, oh, of course, I'm not that type of person. I'm humble. I was not, apparently not humble enough that that little girl did this small thing and bumped into me. And my anger plus my pride tag team this girl and whatever your name is if you know if you know who I'm talking about I'm sorry please forgive me I was not in my right mind for real for real when I was in high school I had stuff going on in my head I was not in my right mind nor was I spiritually okay so forgive me I'm a different person now but that's an example of letting us coming in like me being me I've always been me I've always been like this I've always loved God I've always you know Solomon loved God he also had his own issues so I had those I had my gifts and I had stuff that I didn't ask for and that stuff that I didn't ask for was just growing and I didn't know so I took an inventory wrote it out wrote it all out Figured out these are the things I have going on with me that I need to address. And I began to address those things with the word of God, with prayer, with fasting, with um, humbling myself. Those things are no longer issues for me. I still don't think that, you know, these things won't come up for you because they do every now and again. You just got to now your eyes are open. You can see when it comes up, handle it. You're bigger than any issue. The guy in you is stronger than any issue, so you're fine. Handle it, move it along. Lastly, you want to obey what God says. Obey what God says. All three of these men did not do that. All of them. Obey what God says the first time. We have to do better on doing it the first time. You get mad at your children if they don't listen to you the first time. What do you think God does? He's like this whole bunch of y'all not doing what I said the first time. What? It starts in the beginning, right? Did not obey about that tree, okay? So, God has his, his law, right? This is what are the Ten Commandments. So, that's step one. You want to pair those with what Jesus says, Love the Lord your God, all right? Love yourself and love your neighbors as yourself. We forget those neighbors all the time. Those neighbors be the ones who get on your nerves. By the way, that girl was my neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Like the neighbor is not, it does not have to be your physical neighbor, but just the other, another person living life in conjunction with your life. Y'all's orbits are next to each other, right? Please obey God the first time. It's in your best interest. And as you're doing all that, if you're already trapped in your cage, them bars come start coming down. Boom. One at a time. Boom. Boom. 
the roof comes off. You know what I'm saying? All these things, like you start to breathe different. You start to see different. It's more light. You're no longer trapped in a dungeon. You're coming out of this cage every day. Take a bar down. You have way more control of your spiritual situation, over your mental situation, over your physical situation than you give yourself credit for. You have way more control. I don't like when people are like, well, this is, not, this is out of my control. Says who? And when it's out of your control, guess what? That's a perfect place for you to be because in our weakness, that's when God is made strong. Okay? God can put his strength in it. Then you ain't got to worry about it. Where you stop is where God can start. So either way, you're in a win-win situation. Either you handle it or your father handles it. Either way. Perfect. Take those steps. Build yourself up in the word. Build your foundation. Humble yourself. Don't let God humble you. Okay? Take an inventory of what you need to remove out of your life and the sins and the, the spirits or whatever it is that's going on in your life. Remove them. And okay, obey what God says the first time. And watch your cage just disintegrate. Be free. All the shackles. Alright, come off. Everything. Pray. Read the word. Fast when it's time for you to fast. Watch God do this miracle in your life. Be the miracle. Alright? Like, people want to see miracles. Like, I, I want to be the miracle. Let my life be a miracle. Let my life be an example of what God can do. Let me be an example of what, you know, a loving marriage looks like. Let me be an example of you can start from one place but end up in another place. You can have this much money but end up with this much money and steward it well. Let me be an example of what a great mother looks like no matter how I was taught. Let me be an example of what a great sister looks like no matter how we started out. Let me be an example of what a great boss looks like no matter who was over me before. Let me be a good example of what a good neighbor looks like, no matter how I was treated before. I just got to be the example. I got to be the miracle myself. It has to start within me first. It has to start within you first. You don't have to be caged. If you're, if you're constructing a cage, guess what you can do? You can, you can deconstruct that same cage. Because can't nobody cage you but you. The devil cannot cage you. He does not have that much power. No one's caging you but you. So, Bob the Builder, put on your hard hat. Wendy. Those are only two characters I know. Put on your hard hats. Get your, your, your hammer, your saw, and you get to take down that cage. And get up out of there. Okay? Now I want to pray and decree the word of God over you as you begin to destroy the cages that you've been trapped in. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive them their sin. And heal their land. Observe and obey all these words which I command you. That it may go well with you. And your children after you forever. 
Will you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God? I want to thank you for joining me and tuning into another episode of Be Well With Me. If this episode resonated with you, please subscribe, comment, rate, and review the podcast. Your feedback will mean the world to me. If you haven't already, follow me on Instagram at bewill underscore with B. Until next time, I appreciate you for spending time with me on this journey to complete wellness. See you in the next episode. Thank you.